This is Doug Thompson of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and today we are having a discussion about the proposed Stand Your Ground Bill. I'm going to leave the explanation of that to uh, the people who know everything about it, and I will ask my guests today uh, to introduce themselves. Bob, you first. Okay. Yeah, State Senator Bob Ballinger. Um, I cover a big big portion of rural northwest Arkansas, all the way down to the River Valley. So um, most Carroll County, all of Madison County, parts of Washington County, most of Crawford County, um, part of Sebastian County, part of Franklin County, and part of Johnson County. So it's a big area of uh, a lot of trees and hills and sticks in my area. And you are the sponsor of the bill, correct? Yes, sir. I've sponsored Currently, it's Senate Bill 24. There you go. Denise, now you. I'm doing great. I'm Denise Garner. I am a state representative from District 84, and that includes the Bourbon Fayetteville and Springdale, and then I also have parts of um, more rural Washington County. I've got Greenland and Elkins and West Fork and Prairie Grove. Um, so I kind of have uh, the outskirts of Fayetteville and Springdale and a little bit of rural Washington County. Okay, and you, at least at this point in time, oppose the bill, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, once again, I'm going to let you go first so you can explain what this bill does and does not do. Go ahead. Sure. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, this bill is a is a fairly common standard ground bill. Um, there is uh, currently 36 jurisdictions that, that have what's called no duty to retreat. So um, most... Most um, self-defense law is is really old common law that's been codified, and so in general, if you uh, if you feel threatened with imminent um, force, then you have the ability and the right to defend yourself. Now, what happens is there's some nuances in that, and over time, there was a you know through code there's been been a requirement for a person to retreat if they uh, if they're, they're threatened and if they can. Well, most jurisdictions have adopted a no duty to retreat and so uh 25 jurisdictions have done that through through code like we're doing here mm -hmm. and then several other jurisdictions adopted through case law through their their court system and so all of our surrounding states i, I usually say like every sec state has no duty to retreat they have standard ground law by virtue of a, a statute um, california has it by virtue of a court opinion illinois has it by virtue of a court opinion and so what we're doing is just moving into a majority of the jurisdictions. Currently, if, if, you are, if you're threatened and you have to defend yourself, you have an obligation to retreat if you can retreat in complete safety. And, uh, and so that is, just leaves a, a little bit of ambiguous language that shouldn't be there. If you're not the initial aggressor, if you're not the person who's, who's being attacked, you shouldn't have an obligation to retreat before you can defend yourself. Okay. Denise, I'm going to ask you what's your objection to the change of the well, law my, my objection is basically that it's a bad solution to a search in search of a problem. Um, if you look at the data provided by the states that do have some of these laws, we find that um, it only escalates the, the situation um, to the means that uh, to the end that, that death is 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 proposed uh, situation instead of de-escalating your we're escalating the situation, and so it becomes a shoot first and ask questions later. 
and that's my biggest issue. Um, one of the, one of the, um, some of the wording in the bill says that you have to have a reasonable belief that a person against whom the deadly physical force is used is imminently threatening. And, you know, what is reasonable belief? Um, we found in, in court cases all across the nation that a lot of things that I would have thought were reasonable were, were not. Um, you know, there's still a lot of Arkansans that feel like, uh, a lot of, a lot of folks all over the U.S. that feel like what happened at the U.S. Capitol yesterday was reasonable. Um, you know, so what is reasonable and what is that reasonable belief? That, that is not defined. I think it's much better to say if you can move out of the situation and safety that you ought to do that. Bob, I'm going to um, give you your choice on the, on the next question. You you can um, either respond to what Denise said first. Of course, you'll get a chance to respond to what Denise said. But um, you're an attorney, okay? Yes, sir. I mean, uh, you you are obviously filing this bill because you see a flaw in the in the in the statutes as they exist. So. Correct. Yeah. What's what's? It, go ahead. So look, let me just first say that the the reasonable belief that is a that is I mean it's kind of a, a a common problem, but it's a it's a problem that is is basically unsolvable. You know, within the code, there's a lot of different sections that that you have to leave it up to the trier of fact, either the jury or the judge, to decide whether a person's actions were reasonable or not. And and I, I do I definitely see where people will. See that as as concerning, but one thing that's important to note is that's not in my bill, right? That's the language of the code section dealing with with the uh, with the, the right of self defense. Very old. That's that's actually how common law um, read it. That's been there forever. So this this doesn't deal with that. Like the underlying self defense is is there. The question is whether or not you have a duty to retreat if you are reasonable in your assessment that you're being addressed with lethal force. And so, if you have the if if you reach the standard where it is okay for you to to use lethal force in your in your self defense, what we're doing is we're just taking off the obligation of retreating. And it, and you know the, the the idea that it is you know a license to kill or you can shoot first and ask questions later. I mean, none of that bears out when the majority of the other jurisdictions already have this same policy in place. And and there is there are, you can go out and you can find a study that says um, that. Anytime you implement stand your ground, there's going to be more violent crime, right? Well, Bloomberg has, has paid for that study. I can show you a study from John Lon, who's very pro-gun, and he can show you that actually, you know, stand your ground decreases uh, crime and violence, in particular against minorities. Now, I'm not asking you to believe everything that John Lon says, but the same reason why you shouldn't believe John Lon, you also shouldn't believe the Bloomberg study. The reality is the, the best evidence is the fact that you see a majority of the jurisdictions they're still able to prosecute crimes. We worked real hard to make this be a, a reasonable approach to, to go into standard ground, and that's why Prosecutor Association and law enforcement's not going to be opposed to it this time around. And and I think in the end, what we have is a, is a nice, healthy balance, bringing us into uh, uh, into basically conformity with the uh, with surrounding states, the majority of the jurisdictions, and ultimately that protects the right of, a, of an innocent person who is defending himself against a criminal to be able to do so. Just real quickly, I want to make a point of fact here. By Bloomberg, you're referring to Mike Bloomberg, former mayor of New York and prominent 
um, gun legislation um, um, advocate and billionaire. Yeah, and, and, and billionaire. billionaire. He spent quite a bit of money on this. Anyway, go ahead. It, who, who, in fact, no, no other organization or, or entity spent more money lobbying in the state of Arkansas than, than, than him and his organization. So clearly, they're, I mean, they, they've taken this, this uh, you know, the issue of, of uh, you know, fighting gun legislation pretty seriously, and, and they've invested, you know, he's put his money where his mouth is, mm-hmm. is out there doing everything he can. So um, let's talk just briefly. Yeah. Go ahead, Denise, you want to say something? Well, I was, I was just going to say that there's a whole lot of research out there by, um other organizations that are absolutely nonpartisan health health communities and legal communities that show uh, that death rates do go up, that crime does go up, that um, you know those sixty percent of those who um, are using stand your ground uh, as a defense have already been involved with the law. All of those things make this bill. Uh, less safe than than what we have already. Well, let me ask a question. One of you may know, and because I sure don't, has any state that's passed a stand your ground law repealed it? A, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that uh, mm-hmm. myself. I, I have not heard of any. Yeah, I haven't heard of any either. And I'm going to challenge Denise a little bit and say, look, if it's if if if, if these studies and everything. And people's experience with it is so, is has been so um, bad. Why hasn't that happened to our knowledge? Why hadn't there been a pro- profile case where they said, "No, we made a mistake here"? Go ahead. I think that the part of it is the bill's racist. I think that the the biggest issue is that it protects white men for the most part. We're looking at women who have much more risk of being uh, shot in a in a uh, domestic violence issue. We have a black community that is seven times more at risk than uh, whites for for being shot and killed. Um, those kinds of things are are happening all over, and we still have a system that favors white men. And I think that's a big part of it is that um, you know the folks that are that are most uh, affected by some of these bills are not the ones necessarily who are in power, and um, you know it, I don't I don't have any qualms with the intent of the bill. Self defense is is something that you know I would do anything I could to protect my family. Um, I agree with self defense, um, but you know it doesn't matter the intent of the bill if the effects are discriminatory. And the studies show that these shoot-to-kill bills are dangerous to certain groups of people, and they're discriminated against race or ethnicity or gender or religion or class, and and in a deadly way. So, you know, you can't, uh, even in Georgia, where um, where Ahmaud Arbery was, was shot, he was jogging, and two white men chased him with guns, and he was killed. And they got off with stand your ground. That's just, you know, that's that's not reasonable to me. And um, so, so I think that until until the groups of folks that are affected are also in power or have voice in some of these bills, then 
is going to stay like that. Bob, I'm going to give you as much time as you need to uh, <laughs> respond to that. Let me, let me though, quickly say that, correct me, this is somewhat related. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were one of the strong sponsors of the uh, um, making Martin Luther King a state holiday day, a holiday itself, and taking out Robert E. Lee, okay? Am I yeah, like, I remember yeah. that correctly? So anyway, I'm just going to throw that little factoid in there, and yeah, I'll give you as much time as you want to respond to that. Yeah, I don't think that they have standard ground in California and Illinois because they're a bunch of racists. That's, that's about it. I mean, the reason why it's still in place is because it's, it's reasonable policy. In fact, they, they did a modification on, on basically the self-defense law that tied into that that at one point um, was voted voted for um, by by former President Barack Obama. So at one point, this wasn't such a political football, and it's kind of become that. And, and people actually get to the point where they're just absolutely silly about it. The Georgia case was not – they did not get off on, on the basis of standard. I mean, a lot of times people will, will read in common self-defense um, provisions and say, you know, that because they get off on the self-defense, that they get off on standard ground. That's not – standard ground is one little part of self-defense. It's the part that says whether you have a duty to retreat or you don't have a duty to retreat. And this just basically says that if you are reasonable in your assessment that you, you have to defend yourself, you have no obligation to retreat. All of that, you know, comes to, you know, were you reasonable in that in that, that decision or not? And so, you know, the majority of, and let me say this, I almost feel like it's a little offensive to say that this is for white people and not for black people. Black individuals get attacked, and they have the right to defend themselves. And this law would be applied to that situation. And, and when we talk about women and domestic violence, this is empowering women so that when they are attacked, they have the ability to defend themselves. And, they, and, and there's no question about whether or not they have to retreat or don't. In fact, this is empowering to the weaker person across the board. If you are somebody that doesn't possess the same physical uh, capabilities and, and strengths and, and so forth as, as somebody else, you now have the ability to defend yourself empower yourself with a weapon and not have to worry about whether you're going to be prosecuted because somebody may say, well, you could have, you could have retreated. And so, I, you know, in the end, this is just, you know, smart policy, good law. That's why most jurisdictions have it. That's okay. why they haven't repealed it in other jurisdictions. And, and honestly, that's why we're going to get it done this, this session. I, the data shows differently. Well, I'm going to just, you know, it's somewhat off the wall comparison. It's been a long time since I've covered a, a capital felony murder trial. But I know, for instance, that there's nothing in the law, in the law itself, discriminatory. But I also know that the death penalty is applied more often to black defendants than it is to white ones. So you see what I'm saying here. The law itself could be scrupulously fair, but the application of it if I understand what you told me before correctly, correctly, um, Bob, one of the purposes of your, of your bill is to eliminate prosecutors, a lot of degree of prosecutor's discretion that could be abused. See that's what I'm right. getting at? And, Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me just say that that's, you know, I had one prosecutor when they came, and actually at that point they were opposed to the bill and spoke against it. And he said, I never even take into consideration whether a person could retreat when I'm prosecuted. Right. And, and so what he's saying is basically he is applying the law exactly how we are, we are basically writing, 
writing the, the, the law based on the legislation. And, and so, and, and that's great. I think that that's, and it's one of the reasons why we don't have widespread abuse of this. And it's one reason why we, we haven't actually passed legislation um, up till now is because I think prosecutors are being smart and they're not requiring people to, to retreat, right? So what we're doing is we're just bringing the law into conformity to the practice, which is, is makes it where it's going to be more uniform. It doesn't provide the opportunity for somebody who wants to be discriminatory to be discriminatory because they have this ambiguous language where they can still prosecute the guy that they think deserves to be prosecuted, whether he's white, black, whether he's what more often than not, he's a person who's not politically connected. He's the person who's not empowered. A lot of those times those people are minorities. And because it becomes a politically popular expedient to prosecute that person, they prosecute that person. Well, this would, would provide that, that little tool for that little guy who all he was trying to do was defend himself against another aggressor to, to be able to do so and be confident that he's not going to be prosecuted because he didn't know whether he could retreat in complete safety or not. Denise, I'm going to mention something that you had told me earlier. You you have read the bill, the new, the drafted, that, that has been introduced and all. You're not talking in generalities here. You you've read the specific positions of it, and you don't think it. It um, am I mischaracterizing you there, or or anyway, no, go ahead. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yeah, I've read the the bill. Um, and the you, biggest issue, mm-hmm. the biggest issue for me again is it it presents um, and and actually encourages a culture of shoot to kill, mm. ask questions later. And that that to me, and again, I'll say that um, it doesn't matter the intent of the bill if the data shows that it's discriminatory. And there is no doubt that blacks, persons of color, women, hate crimes, those kinds of issues are, are more... Um, deadly because of some of these kinds of bills. It just encourages a culture of shoot to kill. So so are you saying that there's no way you and Bob or somebody else could get together and and narrow this thing down? You know, I would love to... I I asked to do a study at one point in time about uh, my three bills on background checks and and holstering and uh, some of the campus issues with, with guns. And um, I think it was Mr. Ballinger that um, suggested that ALC not even study that. So I've asked already for these bills to be studied. I'd love to sit down with, uh, I'm a gun owner. You know, I've been through concealed carry. I let mm-hmm. the uh, lapse. I don't use it right now. But, um, you know, my family, they're all concealed carry. Um, you know, I, I would love to sit down and visit about some of these issues that are problems in Arkansas. I mean, we just have um, so many, so many gun homicides already to be tenth in the nation. We already have children that 50% of the gun deaths are murder. That's a problem, and we've got to sit down and and visit about these things and and see, you know, and and come together on some of these issues. So yes, I would be glad to sit down. And I think uh, many of my colleagues would be glad to sit down and talk about some of these things. But I don't think it stands your ground in the way that it's it's been utilized, certainly in Florida and Georgia. Um, Lucy McMath was a friend of mine, and her son Jordan was 
was shot and killed because he was playing music too loudly. You know, some of those kinds of things are happening with the culture that uh, being encouraged that people can shoot to kill for whatever reason. And that's why I have a problem with that reasonable belief. And I think it ought to be, you ought to be uh, encouraged at least, if not forced by the bill, to try to retreat, to try to get to safety before you shoot to kill. Bob, go, go ahead and if there's a specific response you want to make. Well, I would just say it sounds like her problem is with the is with the uh, consistent law rather than rather than the provision of of, of uh, standing your ground and and I, I would be I mean it'd be interesting to hear it's like you know is there ever an instance or any kind of bill that she would support that would would remove the the duty to retreat that would be a stand your ground provision similar to what they have in California or Illinois, mm-hmm. you know, will, would she be supportive of any type? And, and I, I mean, I think the answer is no, and it's, and it's not her fault. She's a Democrat. Um, she, you know, they're, they're part of their, their base I haven't is, always the, been. Is, is the anti-gun group, um, you know, mom's man action. You know, as soon as she comes out and is supportive of stand your ground, she'll be primaried and, and beat by somebody who's, who's more pro, pro gun confiscation. And, the, and that's essentially ultimately where they're going. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm I'm in rural Arkansas. You know, we're we're in a place where, where you know, it is we are a good 30 minutes from law enforcement at any given moment, unless you're talking about the the national forest uh, rangers. You know, and even them, there's no telling where they are. So you know, we're you know, probably hours away, and that's what most of my district is. They need to have the ability to feel like they can defend themselves and protect themselves, especially when we're in a culture where violence is becoming more prevalent. They need to have the ability for them as a good guy to be able to protect themselves and not have to question whether they'll end up being prosecuted when they're attacked, but just be able to defend themselves when they're reasonably believe they're under under imminent attack. And and I think that that's, that, that's reasonable, and I think that that's why the majority of Arkansans support it. That's why a majority of the, the other jurisdictions already have this in place, and that's why we're going to get it done this year. Mom, I'm going to ask you... Um... And this may be, I admit before I ask it, there may be an insoluble dilemma. If I'm understanding the bill correctly, and I understand you're trying to make it as tight as you can to prevent abuse and such as that by by prosecuting authorities, but the prosecutor still gets to decide what's reasonable or not if he files a charge. Okay, so in order to file the charge... Yeah. They they would have they would take a look at it so they would use prosecutorial prosecutorial discretion right. to say okay in this case there's not a you know it's not manslaughter it's not it's not murder it's not uh, not battery you know whatever the whatever the uh, the underlying crime yeah. they would say it isn't that because the, a reasonable person would see this as self defense but ultimately it's it really is the trier of fact so it is either the jury or the judge that'll make that that determination when that's presented as a as a defense. But they'll recognize that as a potential defense. So ultimately, we're going to be reliant upon, uh, upon good good prosecutors, and good judges, mm-hmm. and good juries to make the right right choice. But what our job is as, as uh, policymakers is try to put forth the best policy, the best law for them to be able to do that work with. Okay, Denise, I'm going to turn that question around on you. I understand your objection to saying reasonable. Well, what is reasonable? Well, I, I, go ahead. I Every, go let me quickly, I though, say, though, that, that 
every jury in every criminal case decides what's reasonable or not. I mean, beyond a reasonable doubt is the courtroom cliche. Anyway, go well, ahead me, with your response. Let ahead. me go back just a little bit to, to some of the things that Senator Ballinger was talking okay. about. First of all, uh, first of all, I grew up in a Republican household. I haven't always been a Democrat, um, but I I certainly am now. And but I'm in a Democrat. I'm a Democrat in a in a conservative district. Um, and I was sent to Arkansas to I mean to the legislature to to talk about gun safety, uh, reasonable gun safety laws. So that, you know, I have a very conservative constituency that, that trusts me to do that. That's what I want to do. It has nothing to do with my career. I'm 64 years old. I don't need a career in politics. Um, I don't expect one. I'm there for, uh, to try to do what I can do the best of my ability for, for a short period of time. So it doesn't have anything to do with any of those things. It does have to do with data. I'm a nurse practitioner. My background is in science, and I spend a lot of time looking at data across the board. I try to keep away from data that is um, partisan in any way and uh, look at, at uh, public health. And uh, my husband's an attorney, so we get a lot of uh, law review type uh, research here. So. It is all about data for me, and the and the biggest issue is that in all of these states, there is a problem. There's a problem with black Americans being targeted seven times more frequently than white. Women being targeted in 80% of the domestic violence issues. Those are problems, and like I said, whether the intent of the law um, is it is discriminatory or not, it happens. And so I just feel like Arkansas already has uh, the 10th highest rate in gun homicides, uh, the second leading cause of children's death in Arkansas is gun violence, and half of those are from murder. That just, it doesn't make any sense to me to start again with another law that expects uh, and encourages a culture of shoot first. And I just think that there are some other things we need to be doing to make gun safety more reasonable, not make uh, Arkansans at a higher risk because of guns. Bob, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you want to wrap up with? Well, I, I would just say is that I, I think it's a, it comes from a fundamentalist fundamentally different perspective, right? So, so I, you know, I see violence and I see crime and I say, let's do everything we can to empower the innocent person to take care of themselves. Where other people say, you know, they see violence, they see crime, and they say, we need government to make restrictions harder, to make, make put more regulations and, and more restrictions on individuals. And, and so it, in the end, what I see is we have a law that if implemented, puts another layer of government requirement on them before they can take care of themselves. And so if you're threatened, you're under attack, you reasonably believe that you're you're in imminent danger, then as is today, you have to retreat if you can. And so the, from my, my perspective, um, that is a requirement on the innocent party to the, to the, frankly, the benefit of the criminal actor. And what we need to do is we need to lift that. And it's, there's nothing, nothing radical about that because more than half the jurisdictions already have. Okay, let me see if we've got any time at all left. 
Oh, just just a little bit. Uh, I promise Bob the last word, but if you can make it quick. All I can say is this, is, this bill is not about self-defense for law-abiding citizens. It creates a culture of shoot first, ask questions later. It emboldens folks to shoot to kill. And there is absolutely no evidence suggesting that the current laws are not protecting us. So this bill is less safe and puts us at higher risk. And, you know, the, frankly, the law enforcement and prosecutors still have major concerns about it. And it's something that um, we don't need in Arkansas. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but the, the prosecutors did oppose this bill last time, but this time they're neutral, at least so far. Yeah, they're yeah, they're neutral and they're unopposed to it, and and uh, we, we anticipate that the law enforcement will be in the same place. That's right. I mean, there were the, the, the law was not rewritten, but basically it has been modified since the last session when you introduced a similar measure, correct? Yeah, they're, they're, it, frankly, it's just basically it's leaner and tighter. So okay. it's a, I think we I think we've got a better bill than we even had in 2019. All right. Well. Oh, we got about a minute left, and I did promise you the last word, and then reneged. So if you can make it quick, <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't, I, I don't feel like I, I need the last word. Ultimately, it's going to be. I mean, we have you know fundamental difference in views. That's okay. That's kind of one of the great things about our our country is we have different ideas. They 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 come into conflict, hopefully, in ideas and and not personalities. And then ultimately, um, the legislation gets passed, and I think in this time we're going to get something. You know, good and strong, and the citizens of Arkansas will be better for it. Thanks to you both. I appreciate you all uh, getting together for this. I know it's the, it's the last Friday before the session, and both of you have been extremely uh, busy, I'm sure. And I do appreciate both of you uh, joining us today. Is that it? No problem. Thank you, Doug, for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye.